I'm your host, Robert Stacey McCain. And I'm not. Hello, it's the other guy on the other podcast, John Hogare, sitting across the dining room table from Stacey. We do this from the dining room of an undisclosed location where Stacey is known to lurk about. Uh, he also lurks about the interwebs at theothermccain.com, where you can find his writing. And Stacey's, that was your cue, you're missing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and you can, I, I'm sorry. Stacey's I'm, got, I'm having, St- having Stacey, an email St- problem. Stacey's uh, computer is doing stupid Windows tricks, so. Yeah, um, anyways, but as I said. Uh, okay, uh, I'll just inter- intro myself as well. Anyways, I also, yeah, like, you can find my uh, friend John Hoag's uh, work at, Hogwash.com. Hogwash.com. Meanwhile, you I talk. Can, yeah, let me get back to he's have he's having his email uh, go all windows on him. So it's uh, a problem he ha- that I don't have you know, over here looking at Macintoshes. But how you doing, Diana? Uh, it's like a drink, you guys. It's it's like a room uh, John Ho. Very odd. I'm gonna try and get them coming back in. Okay, we'll see you in a bit. Meanwhile, we're having uh, so we're having strange stuff uh, from Valdosta as well. Uh, Stacy, um, you usually talk about football this time. Yes, that's right. Okay, now now I have got my uh, email functioning, but yes, it being. Uh, seven o'clock on a Saturday night being our usual time for the other podcast, uh, and it being October. <clears throat> Vanderbilt lost to Florida, forty uh, to nothing. Forty-two to nothing. Yes. Okay, that's the important score for someone. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, there's been a whole bunch of stuff on Twitter by the Floridians, uh, yeah. just bragging yeah. about being able to beat Vanderbilt. Yeah. Well, well they, well, they got to be able to beat somebody. Number two, um, number two, Georgia uh, defeated Auburn thirty-four to ten. Another at Auburn. Another proper score, yes. Uh, BYU uh, is trailing Boise State. BYU ranked number tenth, trailing Boise State at BYU. So uh, that could be an upset. Two minutes left to go in that game. Um, uh, they're going to overtime at Syracuse, uh, tied 34-34 with uh, number 19, Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest currently undefeated, 5 to nothing, and now uh, they're going to overtime. Mm. Um, meanwhile, in uh, Iowa, uh, 
Number three ranked Iowa is uh, trailing Penn State uh, 20 to 13. Uh, and now and- Iowa Hawk was tweeting that he would be slow on his uh, car ID blogging today because the day would be consumed by beer and football. So yeah. he was probably not enjoying his evening. Yeah, a little more than 11 minutes left in the game. Uh, Penn State has the ball third and 10 from their own two-yard line. So uh, we will probably uh, expect a punt here shortly, and that means Iowa will get the ball back. Uh, try Hopefully, uh, they want to uh, hang on to defeat uh, Penn State. But Penn State looking very good uh, against Iowa. Meanwhile, number 24 SMU hangs on to defeat Navy 31 to 24. Um, ooh, it was a barn burner today in Austin, Texas, where the number six Oklahoma uh, came back uh, with 25 points in the fourth quarter, uh, come back to defeat uh, Texas 55 to 48. Uh, number seven, Ohio State romped over Maryland, 66 to 17. Uh, number 11, Michigan State defeated Rutgers, 31 to 13. Ole Miss, and here was another wild game. Over 100 points scored uh, at um, Oxford, Mississippi, where Ole Miss, ranked number 17th, defeated Arkansas. 52 to 51. So that was a uh, a big win for Ole Miss. But I, I'm telling you what, they went for fourth down, uh, went for it on fourth down five times and made it four times. And that talk on uh, Lane Kiffin is just crazy. Uh, we're about to have kickoff uh, shortly with Michigan at Nebraska and Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Uh, as well as LSU at Kentucky, Kentucky undefeated. And speaking of undefeated teams, of course, number one Alabama kicks off in College Station at 8 p.m. Eastern. The Aggies are going to learn about playing SEC football the hard way. Uh, Well, you know, let's hope. Let's just hope that the tide once again rolls. Okay, so. Okay. Well, Dinah, are you back with us? I am indeed. And you sound wonderful. The very, we've got great audio. This is good. Um, anyway, Arizona State, I think, beat Sanford as well. And I bring up Arizona State because the first – say again. Diana, you uh, uh, we lost her again. Sanford lost 28. Yeah. Uh, you're you're breaking up uh, uh, uh again Diana. Okay, try again. Anyway, okay, meanwhile back in the news. Yeah, that happens from time to time. Um I had a post, I had several posts this week with the headline nothing to see here, move along. And this one uh goes an illegal alien stalked a United States senator Allowing the senator, following the senator into a restroom where the alien made a video of her loud demands that the senator vote a particular way on a bill. This occurred in Arizona, actually at Arizona State, um, where taking pictures of someone in a restroom without permission is a felony. 
Now, let's think about the follow-up on this. Have you heard about this person being arrested? No, I haven't. Uh, it's an illegal alien who just committed a felony. And, and, and the, the, but I have heard a lot of uh, coverage saying it was one of uh, Senator Sinema's constituents. And no, illegal aliens are not con constituents of United States senators. I mean, the whole coverage of this just, you know, they have tried to make it in uh, into the narrative, regardless of how embarrassing and how real world uh, uh, problems these things are for them. But Stacy, you and I just don't have the proper background to understand how to do this. How the narrative is done. I, I, I did a long post today about Jonathan Chait. Uh, those of you uh, not familiar with Mr. Chait, Jonathan Chait is a columnist uh, for New York Magazine um, uh, who began his career in the mid-90s writing for the New Republic. And I've got a post up. That called, was back when it was actually worth reading. It, well, you know, that was when uh, Sully was mm -hmm. the editor, and they and they published some stuff that was uh, uh, very thoughtful. Yes, uh, and I mean, you, you, it, it the, wasn't just one sided. Well, I mean, you know, there were there were two magazines that I I read to get the the not standard approach to what was going on, and one was New Republic, the other one was National Review. Yeah, I and used back to, in the nineties, that was that was a, a a good strategy. In the in the mid nineties, I was the the you know, 91 to 97, I was working at the Rome News Tribune in Rome, Georgia. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, I would, in my research, I would um, uh, just go to the library and I would always read the New Republic, National Review, The Nation, because, right, you know, get the full spectrum. Uh, usually, the Atlantic Monthly, uh, the New Yorker, uh, you know, and I was, I, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, but the two, the two now, you didn't I, get, you didn't get siloed as easily, right. but the two uh, I never actually reading print magazine, the two, I, the two I never missed were the New Republic and the National Review. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but the, the New Republic was very thoughtful back in the day, but, uh, meanwhile, um, Jonathan Chait has become uh, predictable uh, insofar as he does what's called smart takes. So the um, uh, the the post at my blog, if you go to the other McCain.com, is smart takes too clever by half, and uh, and I and I talk about this, and it's. You know, let me do one thing. It says Diana's back. Are you back? Uh, I'm not real. I can't. You guys are echoing. It's very, very strange. Um, I'm going to call this. Um, I'm just going to listen to. Yeah. You're, you know, there's all sorts of, there's some sort of really odd bounce going on in yeah, the uh, software tonight. Weird. So we're going to have to, well, we'll try again next week. I'll just we'll see you then. Okay. All just right. listen. I'm sorry okay. about that. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, Jonathan Chait is a pundit. And in February 2016, as the GOP presidential primary campaign was underway in earnest, Chait published a column with the headline, 
why liberals should support a Trump Republican nomination. Okay, and the first reason, the first of the three main reasons uh, in descending order of obviousness, as he put it, was that Trump would almost certainly lose. I like the word almost in that, but how's that work out for you, Mr. Chait? I am, well, they finally got it right four years later. Yeah, well, anyways, but but he, he uses a lot of fancy words in there, as I call them, uh, which, which uh, as I said, were uh, used chiefly to signify that his SAT score was higher than yours. I'll bet it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, look, what does he do for a living? What do I do for a living? Uh, right. Uh, John designed space robots for NASA, so his SAT <laughs> score was pretty high. Meanwhile, uh, but, but he uses the, he says that the GOP is a machine that harnesses ethno-nationalistic fear. Uh, to win elections, and then once in office caters to its wealthy donor base. As its voter base has lost college-educated voters and gained blue-collar whites, the fissure between the means by which Republicans attain power and the ends they pursue once they have it has widened. Oh, yeah. Anyway, well, you know, in engineering, we have a term for that kind of stuff. We call it bullshit. Well, anyways, um, apparently it didn't occur to Chait that uh, you could say the very same thing about the Democratic Party, which has its own wealthy donor base, whose interests are arguably at odds with the interests of the people on whom the party relies to win election. You think? Yeah. And... and uh, so I go on down through here, and mainly to bring up the contrast with Jonathan Chait in February 2016, saying that uh, liberals should be okay with Trump getting the GOP nomination. And the headline of his most recent column, quote, anybody fighting Joe Biden is helping Trump's next coup. All Republican politics is now functionally authoritarian. Oh, yeah, that, right. And I got the memo about always being at war with East Asia as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, it's it, it and I, I go to point out that what he's doing is actually the dumbest, the crudest and most simplistic thing imaginable which is to rally the faithful, to, to call all Democratic Party loyalists to the banner with Biden's, uh, you know, because Biden's polls are down and everything. We've got to rally around the leader, you know, and stuff like that. And by the way, a huge hat tip on this one, by the way, to Stephen L. Miller, known as Red Steez on uh, Twitter. The last time I saw him, he wasn't very happy with me, but that was... 2017, and I would uh, hope that uh, next time I see him, he'll be in a better mood. Okay. But anyways, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, this, uh, but this Jonathan Che, and, and it has to do with the nature of 
the media enterprise as such. You know, the problem is, is that they have, the, the hiring process has become so biased, right? That there's not even a Republican in the room when they make these decisions, uh, their editorial decisions. Well, yeah, well, also, but it, look, when I was doing broadcast journalism uh, part-time as a college student, journalism was still a craft. Right. Most of the guys who were the real good reporters in town, uh, if they had a college degree, it was something they got on the GI Bill. Yeah. Right. And, and they were uh, the, the uh, but a, a lot of the guys, you know, just they could write and they had an interest in seeing what was going on. And they got into uh, working for the Tennessean or the Banner, or they had a good voice and wound up on WSM or WLAC or, or, uh, uh, doing the news. So now it's it. And, and it was just starting to change. We were getting a cohort of, of young people in who'd been to journalism school and had... You know, and 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 uh, the they were professionals. People, the, the problem with these people is that they they saw uh, uh, all the president's men, you know, and, and you know, and, and that became their model uh, of of what journalism is supposed to be. Well, actually, you, you know, the, the the two people there, Woodward and Bernstein, are the were the leading edge of these guys, right. Right. Um, well, Carl Bernstein, and, and this is seldom pointed out, okay? Why did they hate Nixon so much? Okay? Why? And, and, and the, the answer is, is because Nixon exposed Alger Hiss as a communist. Okay? That's what made him the demon figure to the left that he became. He defeated Helen Gahagan Douglas uh, for the Senate by red baiting her, and they thought she was red baited unfairly. Well, if you're a pinko, I'm sorry, you know, if you have, you know, and, and see, I remember this Cold War stuff because it was the stuff of my childhood, but the thing is that Nixon was an anti-communist. Well, guess what? Carl Bernstein's father was a communist who lost his job uh, because of, you know, the, the uh, what was called the Red Scare or McCarthyism. And so, and so it was a personal vendetta that Bernstein was settling, uh, you know, and uh, this is not to say, of course, you know, that uh, nothing was, went wrong, you know, nothing, there was no wrongdoing involved in the whole Watergate matter and the plumbers and stuff like that. But remember how that got started. That got started because of the Pentagon Papers, the leak of the Pentagon Papers. And, and so, so, you know, that this was a national security issue. Well, yes, but the, one of the other things that's a national, it would be a national security issue would be going broke. Aha. Uh -huh. And, but unfortunately, I'm told that uh, we're going to get uh, to spend three and a half trillion bucks without any expense yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm sorry i got an 800 on uh, the math on my college board and that's kind of 
bothering me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a post this week called $3.5 trillion equals $0.0. And, and this is something, this has become a mantra uh, with the Biden administration and its apologies. In recent weeks, and I'm, I'm quoting here, uh, from the New York Post. In recent weeks, the Biden administration has been slammed for claiming the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation package cost $0, quote, cost $0. On Monday, the president said once again that the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, as well as the reconciliation, are somehow paid for. Uh, and Jen Pisaki, as uh, somebody called her Peppermint Pisaki. <laughs> oh, there. Once you see a picture of her next to uh, Peppermint Patty from the old uh, Peanut series, you can't unsee it. But uh, Press Secretary Jen Pisaki uh, was pressed on whether, uh, oh, he says, she said, quote, what we are talking about is how much the top line investments are, which are all paid for. So therefore, it costs zero, no matter what the cost or size of the top line investments are, we have ways to pay for it. Oh, wait a minute. You said it costs nothing, but you have ways to pay for it. And see, and, and this is goes back to something that just grinds my gears. Back when I was a, 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 an assistant national editor at the Washington Times, our Capitol Hill reporters uh, kind of went native, okay, uh, and began to speak the language of their peers. And, and so when it was budget battle time, uh, that when if you remember the Bush tax cuts, uh, there was this language of, but the, how will these tax cuts be paid for? What they were talking about was the assumption, of course, that you cut taxes and it reduces revenue, and therefore you have to find offsets, as they used to say, to pay for the tax cuts. And I'm saying, wait a minute. We're not paying for tax cuts. The we, government has to make do with less revenue or not because of Laffer curve. And I would say that, that this is just in a, a, a crazy way of talking. About well, it. it has to do with uh, the fact that they think it's their pile of money as if they were Scrooge McDuck. And if it doesn't come in, they've spent it. It's crazy. And she's saying it's paid for. Therefore, it costs zero dollars. What she means is is that in terms of the deficit, she's claiming that this will not add anything to the deficit. That means it's paid for. But they're talking about massive new taxes. And then they get up there and they give this little thing. She said this during the break. Well, nobody who earns less than $400,000 will pay any new taxes. And we've heard this line before, right? You know, we're, we're just taxing the rich. But... But people get, and I, I, I try to explain this to people that the rich are not a fixed target. 
that are going to just sit there and have their money taken away from them. Capital knows no country. Capital is fluid. It can be transferred internationally, invested anywhere in the world. You raise taxes here, and part of what they're talking about is raising the corporate tax. Okay, you raise taxes here. Let me give you a worked example of that. I worked for a company uh, that had uh, a, it was listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and uh, it just barely made money every year. That's because one of its subsidiaries in Taiwan <laughs> made a boatload of money every year. Right. Okay, and. Uh, its subsidiary in Kentucky didn't make much money. So, and, that, and that's because they kept borrowing money from Taiwan and having to pay it back with interest. <laughs> okay. So y- you're right. I mean, look, the reason, yeah, but, the but, reason these people make a lot of money in business is because they're good at it. And the reason they're doing it in business instead of the, in go- the people who are in government doing it is because the people who are in government aren't good at it. And they'll, the business will win. You know, creativity will win. Smart will win. And, and the point is, is that, is that, you know, the rich, okay, demonize the rich all you want to. Hate Bill Gates or, or uh, uh, um, uh, uh, quit, ne- uh, Jeff Bezos, ne- uh, uh, Zuckerberg. You can hate rich people all you want, but the point is, is that capital investment is what creates economic growth. And well, when the you other start, thing, when you develop a soak the rich tax policy, what you do end up doing always, always, always is drive capital out of the country. Or drive it out of existence. Right now, the fact that some of these guys are worth hundreds of billions of dollars is because people say that the odds of their companies making money are such that they'll, they want shares in the company. Well, when those people have to start liquidating shares in their company in order to pay their taxes, there's going to be more shares on the market that will drive the price down. So what you'll do is destroy a bunch of uh, uh, 401ks <laughs> and not get as much money as you thought. And, the, and- the other thing is, is that the upper one and a half percent of income earners earn about 20% of the income that's reported to the IRS and pay 40% of the taxes. Well, if you took away all their income, it still wouldn't balance the budget. So, you know, all you can do, all you can do by doing these things is destroy more jobs. Yeah, and and, and people do, it, it, and you know, it, I you know, I was born and raised a Democrat. My dad was a union member, a member of the Machinist Union, which, by the way, was one of the real left-leaning unions of the time. And I I used to read his union newspaper. Uh, when I was a little kid, you know, that the little monthly uh, thing that came in. And, and, and so, so, you know, I, used, I had that point of view, uh, but I got educated and came to understand that, you know, when people, Joe Biden does this all the time, talks about, well, trickle-down economics. That is a, a, a smear that was applied to 
Reagan's policy. Okay, but it's also true the the money does trickle down, and to the benefit of the the rising tide winds up raising all the boats. That's the other side of it. Yeah. The um, but but with this claiming that it's trickle down economics, that's not the point. The point is is that in an when you're in international competition for business. Okay, it's no longer right. Uh, General Motors against uh, the Auto Workers Union or uh, United Steel versus the Steel Workers Union. That is so fucking obsolete that people who think that way are are the real. You know, I mean, you want to talk about reactionary, but that kind of labor versus capital kind of thing, you don't even understand what's going on, people. It's us versus the world, okay? China, Singapore. Well, yeah, but see, the thing is, they're, they're, these you've got people trapped in the late 19th century, and they're going to solve those problems. Look, I'm so old. We were talking about $3.5 trillion dollars. You know, I'm so old, I remember when a dollar would buy 50 cents worth. <laughs> Speaking of dollars, uh, tell the people about the yellow button, Stacy. Oh, the yellow button. Folks, if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, near the top of the center column, you will notice the yellow button with the word donate on it. If you will click the ye- uh, yellow button, it will take you to my PayPal account account where you can contribute to the support of the blog and the podcast. And also mainly, uh, this is the most important thing to keep my wife happy. My wife likes it, uh, when I make money. And so if you will contribute to the blog, by the way, this was my birthday this week and I got a few tip jar hits, uh, out of that. Uh, you know, I, I turned 62 so technically, I could apply for Social Security now, but of course, I'm not going to. No, actually, uh, you really want to wait until you're 66. Uh, if I live that long. <laughs> but anyways, meanwhile, back at the ranch, what I was saying is this is the shameless capitalist part of the podcast, which you get to listen to for free. But if you would uh, click the yellow button uh, to to give me some cash that would be most appreciated. Meanwhile, over at my good friend John Hogue's blog, hoguash.com. There is a tip jar over there in the uh, sidebar. Click on that tip jar icon, go off to my PayPal account, help support Hogwash. Or you can uh, go down and shop at the Hogwash store and buy stuff branded uh, really in ways related to the blog. Or you can shop using the Amazon links that you'll find uh, at Hogwash or uh, at uh, the other McCain. Uh, we both participate in the Amazon Affiliates program. A lot of people do around the internet. This is something nice that Amazon does. You, you use one of these bloggers links and we get a little cut of the action you pay the same price but we get a good deal regardless whatever you choose to do and ways to support us please remember the five most important words in the english language hit the freaking tip jar indeed now speaking of the fact that i'm so old stacy i'm so old that I remember when the reason that there was an FBI agent at our school uh, 
committee meeting was because his daughter went to the school. <laughs> but yes, now now they're showing up there and you had that pose with the picture of the FBI, obvious looking undercover, quote unquote, FBI guys. The guys the from the, the from the, uh, the picnic in the uh, in front of the Capitol a few weeks ago. Yeah. 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 At the uh, PTA meeting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they, uh, I don't know who did that, but. Uh, yeah, I came off the Internet. Yeah. That's one of those things. Ah, it's on Twitter and the rules of uh, say you can uh, swipe stuff. So I did. Uh, meanwhile, though, the, the FBI, FBI is now targeting parents as terrorists. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, and by the way, I'm, I'm quoting from my blog post, which quotes the Daily Caller. Attorney General Merrick Garland called on the FBI to, quote, use its authority, end quote, against parents who threaten or use violence against public school officials in a Monday memorandum. Garland said there has been a, quote, disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, end quote. He said he is directing the FBI to work with each U.S. attorney and leaders, quote, in each federal judicial district, end quote, to discuss strategy to address threats within 30 days of his statement. Um, now, that was the uh, story on uh, uh, reported earlier this week, but on that very same day, and I'm 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 introducing something new here. Yes. Uh, but on um, uh, Thursday, uh, the um, there a letter was put out uh, from the American First Legal headed by former Trump advisor Stephen Miller, which accuses the Justice Department and the White House of coordinating this whole thing in advance. With an outside organization of school boards. Right, right, right. And so, so this, uh, uh, this looks very much like a setup, an inside job. You think? Well, Fake news. Well, I also reported uh, on uh, the 6th that uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, after directing the FBI to investigate parents who are, are opposing uh, the teaching of critical race theory, uh, it turns out uh, that his son-in-law is the co-founder of a company that sells uh, CRT instructional materials to school districts. Apparently, they've got about... 13 million students that they're providing such material to. Wait a minute. There's Jerry to... McAuliffe assures me that no student in Virginia is being taught critical race theory. Stacy, nothing to see here. Move along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the way, uh, uh, folks, that race is tightening in Virginia, the gubernatorial campaign. And it's, it's very hard for right now for Republicans to win a statewide race in um, uh, Virginia. But uh, people are sick of Terry McAuliffe. He's just been around too long. He He's a throwback to the Clinton era. You know, he was the shady financial guru of the Clinton campaign back in the day. 
Well, yeah, and he wasn't such a great governor either. So. And he's not a Virginian either. Well, he, he, he moved there with the Clintons. He's not from Virginia. Well, yeah, but on the other hand... He ain't know. from around here. Well, see, now you're, you're talking about uh, uh, the actual facts of the history of what went on. And I had a, one of my don't know much about history posts up this week. Um, it's pretty clear that the over-credentialed and undereducated members of a lot of these school boards uh, are, uh, you know, they just, they don't understand things like uh, cri critical race theory or the 1619 Project. And they, and they don't seem to understand 20th century history. Otherwise, they wouldn't be falling for this kind of Marxist nonsense. Um, but... There are people on these school boards who do understand it and are still pushing it anyway. Now, that first bunch, you may be able to persuade with logic and reason and facts, but the second bunch probably needs to be removed from any positions of authority. So you've got parents protesting uh, what's uh, being done to their children. It's been surprisingly peaceful so far. I've been su surprised at how mild-mannered a lot of people have been. And, I mean, They've been forceful, they've been angry, but they haven't been violent. Um, and I think using the FBI really is to try to stifle dissent is not going to be very helpful uh, with any of this. Um, and the people who are proposing to do this sort of thing really don't understand 18th century history. Because if they did, they'd understand how being heavy-handed with your government really doesn't work with Americans. Now, think about the expression that is going to be in some school superintendent's face when he wakes up one morning and discovers that a bunch of citizens dressed as Indians have thrown all the CRT materials in the local body of water. <laughs> you know, um, I hope the protests don't have to go that far, but it's going to, that's a, that's at this stage, it's still an if about how responsible some of these uh, organizations, uh, governmental organizations that are affect our kids are going to be. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah. like I said, don't know much about history. Meanwhile, there was a tweet from Mal, Walsh up, uh, uh, actually uh, retweeting something by Andy No. Uh, about the suspect in Arlington, Texas. Do you remember the school shooting there? Yeah, yeah. I, and they, I, I mentioned that, that Timothy Simpkins is a name that you will never hear on national news. Well, uh, yes. Because, and when was the last time you heard about a uh, school shooter making bail the next day? <laughs> you know, uh, I think there's, 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 there's some problems here with the way you think. Yeah, the laws are being uh, dealt with the way that they're being enforced. Yeah, yeah, this, uh, uh, this, and, and the national, it, by the way, if you watch MSNBC or CNN, if that's where you're getting your news from, you know nothing about this, okay? Because uh, Timothy Simpkins was the shooter's name, and, and, but the national, you know, here's a school shooting that the national media aren't interested in for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, you can look it up. Timothy Simpkins. Yep. If you don't know what we're talking about. You certainly can. Meanwhile, in other 
investigations that are ongoing. Speaking of investigations. The White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is a potential target of the special counsel John Durham's Russia collusion hoax investigation. Um, Sullivan's wife, Maggie Goodlander, clerked for Attorney General Merrick Garland when Garland was a federal judge. Yeah, it's nothing incest. to see here. Move along. It's, it's incest. Yes. But speaking of other investigations that are likely oh, to backfire and boomerang, uh, folks, uh, Stacy and I have a good friend by the name of Ollie Alexander, and we have been co-defendants in defamation suits and lots of other wonderful adventures. And Stacy, take it away on this one. Well, Congress has now subpoenaed Ali Alexander, whom I knew, as, as some of you know, as Ali Akbar. Uh, he had, uh, adopted his mother's uh, maiden name as his name. for. But anyways, Ali, the Sammy Davis Jr. lookalike. And by the way, he really does look a lot oh. like... If folks don't believe it, they should look at him, the picture of him with the bullhorn at the top of uh, your blog post. But, but, but when Ollie used to say that when, whenever he and I would uh, go to eat at Cracker Barrel, right, he, people would be looking at him because he's old people, you know, old people look at him and, and then walk over to the table. He said, I know, Sammy Davis Jr. And, and people, uh, a remarkable resemblance. Oh, I was way. struck when I first met him at CPAC. It was just amazing. Yeah. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th. And, and by the way, this is a UPI uh, 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 story. It's a new, it's a wire service story that I've linked from um uh, Breitbart. But anyways, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th assault on the Capitol on Thursday subpoenaed additional organizations connected to the Stop the Steal rally that occurred prior to the attack on Congress. The committee sent the subpoenas to Ali Alexander, an organizer of the Stop the Steal rally and conservative pro provocateur and Nathan Martin, both of whose names are linked to permit applications for the rally. By the way, I know Nathan Martin too. He's a guy from Ohio, uh, just a, a, a suburban dad. Uh, the move follows the committee late last month issuing 11 subpoenas to allies of former President Donald Trump who were also involved with organizing the Stop the Steal event that preceded thousands of Trump supporters storming the Capitol in an effort to prevent Congress from certifying Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States. I'm going to stop right there because that's not what happened. Thousands of Trump supporters storming the Capitol, they've charged 600 people. Okay, they, there were tens of thousands of people at that rally, and about uh, 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 about six hundred of them actually went inside the Capitol. Okay, and have been charged, most of them, with misdemeanors, you know, uh, parading without a permit or whatever, uh, and essentially trespassing. And and the idea that that they were uh, 
you know, that they were engaged in a, a, an insurrection and assault. You know, I, I've said prosecute anybody for whatever crimes they actually committed. That doesn't matter to me. But they're trying to and, and they have done a, a great deal. Uh, the, the left wing media, which most of us never watch anymore, uh, are constantly the CNN, right? CNN has about 800,000 viewers average. Okay, that's how, that's what uh, there are tick there are girls on TikTok, okay, who get more views on their videos than CNN has viewers. I'm just telling you how insignificant CNN as as a news source is. But they I, I turn my TV over there sometimes just to see what they're talking about, and they want they want to have January 6th forever. Because this, the assault on democracy, you know, that was going on. And, and it was a, a, a protest that got out of hand. Yeah, but, but you have to remember it was a, uh, an assault on what they refer to as our democracy. And I keep asking, our who? Yeah, who is this we you're talking about? Yeah implied by your uh, pronoun, our, uh, but never trust a liberal with first person plural pronouns. Okay. Uh, but anyways, but, but this, um, uh, I was surprised at, on um, Friday when this news came out, uh, how Ali Alexander's name started trending. Why he's banned from Twitter, of course, he'd been banned uh, since January from Twitter yeah, but you can follow him on Gab. Yeah, well, he's also on Telegram uh, or Telegraph, whatever it's called. Uh, but yeah, he he's out there in in some places. He's still uh, extant, but uh, you can't get him on Twitter. But his name was was uh, uh, trending, and I clicked over there, and oh my God! See, in their minds, okay, in in the minds of the liberals. This was, you know, what happened here was a conspiracy, right? This is a criminal conspiracy, a plot to overthrow the election. And, uh, you know, and it, which is, it, it's insane, but never mind. Well, but I mean, it was amazing the, <laughs> the, 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 the silliness of the lies that some of them were telling about Ali. Oh, like, yeah. Like one guy was, was, was trying to tell Aaron Walker and me that, uh, that, Ollie hadn't won a case in court, and Ollie we and you, Ollie and you and I and Aaron were co-defendants with Ollie representing himself and a lawyer repping the other three of us, and yeah, he, but, and, and 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 you know Ollie acquitted himself quite nicely. Yeah, he did very well, uh, pro se, and and what a lot of anyways, but but in the minds of the and I was all these people on Twitter that were just retweeting this, they have been told, first of all, that there was a conspiracy, right? And, and what they want from Ali, because Ali had said on one of his online videos, you know, I forget what format, TikTok or whatever, uh, one of his online videos, he had said, look, I worked with Paul Gosar, et cetera, et cetera, to, to organize this rally, okay, that... The rally, the Stop the Steal rally, he was an organizer of that rally, which is a different thing, by the way, than these guys, uh, most of them from um, 
uh, the Proud Boys and um, there were Oath Keepers. There were there were multiple events going on in D.C. at the time, and there uh, was this one group of people who had this idea of storming the Capitol. Ali was not part of that. Right. He organized a public rally, and and he he'll tell but the it, whole thing. But it was down to the White House. It wasn't even up by the Capitol. Right. Well, the point is, they had a permit. They were going to march from the ellipse over to in front of the Supreme Court, where there were going to be speakers set up and everything like that. Well, this storming of the Capitol was separate. It was completely had nothing to do with that. But in the minds of these people on Twitter, these liberals on Twitter who get everything they know from MSNBC or whatever, uh, that Ali is the link that is going to prove that Republicans in Congress were part of the conspiracy. And, and, and I'm just like, well, okay, you can believe that all you want to. But if you think that they you putting Ali Alexander on national TV testifying to Congress is going to be a win for your side, go with it. Because he is going to fuck them up so bad they won't know what hit them. Well, He's laughing, by the way. He is just laughing at this. Well, there's one other thing that I'm going to point out. Do you remember what happened when we were in court and somebody accused you of being a racist? What did you what did you tell that person who had accused you? Do you remember what you said? You looked at him and said, "You're white, aren't you?" And and, uh, and in case you haven't and, noticed, yeah. And 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 our co-defendant and the judge and the foreman of the jury and one other juror were laughing we're laughing i mean it was really i was i was watching the judge oh, those four individuals were black uh, yeah. and, you know and 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 you know but see the thing is the thing ollie is that is ollie, uh, ollie uh, but he's also everything wrong with their narrative right right so they're going to call a a a, 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 a black republican a black, a, a black man from texas uh, as their uh, star witness that's going to prove the link. And if I, I, I swear to God, if he gets the chance, if, if they let him talk, and they, you watch how they start interrupting him. If this is on C-SPAN, I'm taking the day off to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful thing. I think it's, uh, he's, the, the problem in it, I see this, I, I saw the, uh, I forget where I saw this, but they've also requested records. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Ali's very good at keeping records, okay? I, I, I'll just say this, that his, his record keeping maybe, you know, and, and so in terms of supplying them with the documents they've requested, he may have some uh, problems with that part. But as far as the testimony, that's supposed to be on October 28th and, and 29th, trick or treat, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you. Ooh, you, it's on the 28th? The 28th and 29th. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, let me see if I can go watch because I actually am supposed to oh. go to a dinner down in DC on the evening of the 28th. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This might get to be fun. Yeah, I might get uh, tickets for the gallery for that yeah. one. Yeah, that might be something worth watching. But the left believe. They have, they're living in an echo chamber, right? 
they don't realize uh, that with Biden's popularity, as low as it is, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, maybe stopping him from becoming president was with a noble effort. OK, <laughs> a lot of people are looking at Joe Biden now and saying, give me the mean tweets back. OK, well, you know, that it's, that it's, and that and uh, the gasoline I bought on the way over here ooh, was uh, how much? 80 percent more than what I paid for it a year ago. Oh, yeah. On uh, Election Day, I took a picture of uh, the gas prices on Election Day last year. And, and when that when that anniversary comes around in a few weeks, I'm going to post that picture again just to remind people mm -hmm. uh, uh, what the cost of uh, getting rid of Orange Man bad has been. And we've got rel relatively inexpensive gas in this uh, in the part of Maryland where I live. Yeah. I mean, uh, I go down closer to D.C. and it's like a, uh, 30 cents a gallon more. It's amazing. And, yeah. of course, it's nothing like California. Oh, my uh, I've, God, I've, it's, I've, that's close to $5 a gallon out there, isn't it? Uh, I've, well, I've, I've seen like four, $4 a gallon regular pretty consistently out there, premium and diesel over 5 bucks. It's Yeah, I know about uh, that. <laughs> okay, I, I, I just... just do you want me to, don't worry, or do you want me to, do, are you doing we're, we're, Okay, let me update some football scores for you. Okay. Uh, since we're, we're, we're getting toward the end of the show. And oh, I, I, haven't, I, just, I haven't queued up the last story yet. But go ahead and talk about football for a minute. Anyways, I, I just want to uh, uh, tell you, hang on just a second here, because I need to mute my uh, computer, uh, because those damn pop-ups. Uh, are coming at me again with news. Let's see. Why don't you turn score. them off? Oh, your final score in Iowa, Iowa 23, Penn State 4. So number three ranked Iowa uh, uh, came back to win it uh, and defeat number four uh, Penn State in a Big 12, is it now Big 12 matchup or Big mm. 10, whatever it is, a Big 10 game there. Um and it's not so, the SEC, so it's not an important conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're 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 kind of chauvinistic about that. Uh, hey, I went to the only private school that's got the guts to play SEC ball. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and number fifteen, Wake Forest held on uh, to defeat Syracuse, uh, forty to thirty-seven at Syracuse. So those those are your late scores, and now. Crazy we, people are dangerous. Crazy people are dangerous, dangerous including and, people who think that they need to tell a black man about transphobia. Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's this guy who uh, uh, is now calling himself uh, Jacqueline Moore uh, and uh, allegedly transitioned um, and was running the show Dear White People and basically uh, says she's boycotting Netflix now over... Dave Chappelle is being such a transphobe. Uh, I don't think Dave Chappelle is a transphobe. I think he is a comedian. And do you know what? Uh, comedy is, has to do with uh, uh, has to do with the quirks and weird stuff, the, uh, not not the stuff that we do that's uh, smooth and easy. Well, so, let me tell you something, uh, Jacqueline Moore who is the showrunner, as they call it, the executive producer for a show called Dear White People, okay? It's white himself. Jacqueline Moore 
is actually John Patrick Moore, a 33-year-old mentally ill man. Okay. He well, thinks he's a woman. Well, or well, thinks and, and thinks that we should play along with his charade. Well, I mean, look, there are there are people who have uh, what, for some of them, is a distressing uh, condition. It's for some, they're quite happy with it. But the point is, is that, you know, there's a reason why there's a famous Monty Python routine in the movie The Life of Brian uh, about Stan wanting to be a Loretta. Yeah. And, and this is exactly the same thing. And, you know, when you get to the point where Monty, you can't make a Monty Python movie. You know that 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 that's dangerous. That is not good for society to to not be able to laugh at itself and its members that way. Well, it's not, let it, me tell you something, Jacqueline Moore. Uh, when he was John David Moore, was not a successful, attractive, popular man. And generally speaking, if you're not successful, attractive, and popular as a man, good luck being attractive, successful, and popular as a woman. Um, that's, that's John Patrick Moore from Cleveland, Ohio, by the way. I mean, not to make fun of him, but you know, there's definite Rule 5 issues here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I wish you could see. Hang on a second. Uh, I tell you what. John, you got keep talking. Well, man. no, I mean, basically, we, what's dangerous is when we let people with these kinds of mental conditions define what normal right. life is like and acceptable. What and that, acceptable? you know, crazy people who do that to us are dangerous. It's not that we uh, need to, uh, you know, badger them or treat them unfairly or treat them badly. I would like we, to ignore them. Well, thank you very much. In some cases, that may be the best thing to, to have happen in uh, uh, certain uh, in kinds of interactions. But the point is, is these people need our care, and they don't need to be controlling what we're doing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I hear the boogie woogie piano, and so uh, it's that time of the show when I tell you that we will be back next week. Saturday night, as usual, 7 p.m. Is, is when the other podcast airs. And uh, uh, we will have our, our good friend, Diana. Back, we hope. Uh, back from uh, uh, Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, and so we missed having her. But I'm now 62 years old, so remember to get the tip jar. Uh, to, to wish me a happy birthday. Well, my 74th birthday doesn't come to New Year's Eve, so we'll deal yeah. with that. New yeah. Year's Eve. All yep. right, then. Have fun, Okay, folks. so we'll be back next Saturday night, 7 o'clock, and until then, we'll talk to you later. Good night, Stacey.